But are you really someone that has a bias for action? Meaning, are you willing to take micro risks on a daily basis? That's what I think really comes down to. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Well, today we are excited to have Kenny Jang joining us. Kenny is somebody that I would call is a consummate church communicator. He is curator of one of the most engaged Facebook, Facebook groups for church communicators on Facebook. He's a founder of the company Big Click Syndicate, doing work for ministries like American Bible Society and Tim Keller's Church, Redeemer Presbyterian. Uh, he's also recently published a book, um, Instagram Posts That Work, specifically for church communicators, which I think is a brilliant concept, curating some of the top Insta posts for churches to learn from. So, so before we dive into that, uh, Kenny, welcome. Welcome to the show. We're glad you're with us today. Glad to be here. Always having fun whenever I'm with you, Chad. So I'm, it's really good to be here. You know, before we dive into your book, I just, just, could you just give us a little bit of history? How long have you been working in the digital space? And then just walk us through your work experience. I know our listeners would love to, love to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, digital has been a while. I used to work in an ad agency, uh, traditional agency, and working on some high-tech accounts. And that back in the day, I'm sure you remember Computer World and um, all those magazines and the first digital banner ads. I remember they approached the, our agency and said, they're, they're going to launch banner ads. And what is this thing that you would pay for that disappears? Um, and so we had to convince our clients of those types of things. Um, and throughout the years, you know, working with, you know, um, in the high tech space for startups, um, you know, in the, in the marketplace. Um, and then at some point I made a shift. I went from the MBA to an MDiv. And um, since then I've been consulting and building a, a team to really help nonprofits and Christian ministries, right, on the digital landscape. I, I basically hear, you know, all this, um, your, your firm must be busy as uh, ever in this pandemic, post-pandemic world that we're going into. And I say, it's right now, it's a little bit of a revenge of the nerds, right? <laughs> if you're in the digital space, it's one of those places where people used to question the value of digital, mm -hmm. but now it's like the, at the center of everyone's strategy. So I'm really glad that we're here to help others and, you know, basically share what we've learned um, along the way. Yeah. So, so I'm curious, what was it that caused you just, just to bring the experience that you had on the ad agency side and the digital side? And then what was, what was it that caused you to, to shift to more faith-based and to get that MDiv and, and to pursue a, a ministry and, and, and from intertwining your faith with the, what, you, what you learned on the, on the ad agency side? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's one of those things where, you know, going back to seminary's second career, it was just one of those things where you, um, when you're in the marketplace and you're, you're succeeding, there's a point where you start to question, right? It's almost like a mini crisis, like midlife crisis type of things. Like, what is the purpose of my life? I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm putting all my energy and effort and everything into what? Um, and so at that point, you know, my faith was deepening. And again, it's at the, at the end of the day, you got to credit Jesus and his church, right? And my faith just was something 
that was crystallizing to the point where, um, you know, it just made sense for me to go back to school. And that's just been one of the tenets of everything that I've done is that, you know, mm -hmm. there is a place for education. There's a place for structure. There's a place to go back to the basics and roots. And so um, that's why I decided to go to seminary because I felt like, yeah, you need some formalized education mm -hmm. in uh, systematic theology in church history and all the things that like if we're we're dabbling with as lay people in the church that you just want to actually learn fundamentals and learn from the best um, and so that's that's what I did I went back and actually thought I'd be in the parish word and sacraments um, you know ministry but along the way in that whole you know path of seminary I found uh, the Center for Faith and Work at Redeemer Presbyterian Church uh, Catherine Leary Alsdorf mentor of mine that took me in and really shared this faith and work integration perspective that mm. what God has given us in experience is not something you need to throw away in order to work for God and that you, you don't need to work for the church necessarily in order to work for God right and mm -hmm. and that we all are ministers in in our own spheres of influence and so while I did actually go on staff and was a pastor um, you know church online pastor meeting innovation pastor worked at Redeemer worked at Liquid Church etc um, but, um, you know, I just felt called to continue to use the skills that God's given me in communications, messaging, digital, innovation. Um, and that's what we're doing today. Our team serves, you know, ministries, um, you know, nationwide, even internationally um, on that front. And so it's just been an amazing journey. Uh, I'm blessed to be part of it. No, that's that's great. I, I love hearing the stories. Uh, like what you said you don't have to work inside a ministry. You don't have to work at a church to be engaged yeah. and involved in ministry every day in the marketplace. And, uh, and yet those that are called to help and assist uh, ministries and churches, you know, that's, a, that's a, that's an exciting calling because you know, Absolutely. every day you're having an impact for eternal eternity kingdom impact. Yeah. So, so your book on the on yes. Instagram posts that work, and specifically from a church perspective, just, just talk to us about what led you to to for you and your co-author Katie Aldred, what led you guys to write the book? Well, so uh, the church communication church communications group is another entity that I'm part of, right? So um, Katie and I co-lead the group. It it's a robust community of church leaders. There's over twenty eight thousand church leaders in the private Facebook group right now. And it is hyperactive. Uh, over 80% of the group interacts with content from the group daily. I'm a um, part and, of it, by the way. And if you're not a part of it, you, if you're listening to this and you're absolutely. not a part of that, you should, really should be a part of it because it is really family. good questions that are, that are being asked every day. Yeah, it, it's fun. It's a family. I mean, it's, it, and it's one of the places where the internet is working well, <laughs> meaning that you're bringing all these people that have an affinity for the same thing and that there's peer-to-peer -peer interactions, people mm -hmm. actually helping people generously, uh, mm -hmm. where we we have this ethos of that we, we lead with abundance and not scarcity. We're not trying mm -hmm. to hide the best practices and tips and, and what we learned, and we're trying to share it with each other. And so um, it's been a great process um, to really help that group flourish and lead it into different places. We've, you know, we, we've launched a podcast, we have a website, we've uh, launched um, an Apple TV, Roku and Amazon TV app recently, quietly. We've, we're running events, et cetera, for education. We have a pro membership uh, for deep dives in, uh, in mm -hmm. you know, helping mentoring and teaching people some of the best practices. And so one of the things that came out of it was 
Um, early last year, we had an Instagram conference. We had a, a, a conference dedicated to Instagram for churches. And mm -hmm. so we bought, brought practitioners um, in the church, as well as professionals that are on Instagram influencers. And we brought them together, about 30 of them, and helped church leaders across the country um, really just learn the craft of how to actually get your message across. What's the difference between the grid and a story and now reels and IGTV, right? There's there's all these newfangled things that always pop up. And sometimes it's hard to keep up what I what I call the dreadmill of death for social media. That um, it just happens to be something new all the time that we got to run after. And so um, we did what we do best in the group. We crowdsourced what's working because one of the things that everyone wants to know is what are other church leaders doing right what are what's what is the other churches that are actually killing it on instagram what are they doing and so we were able to build about 90 case studies of actual tactical stuff show us a post that actually worked that got engagement that got traction that did something and we just asked a bunch of questions to these, you know, communicators that were willing to share their time and their results with us. So the book came out of that conference then. That's kind of well. It was this whole. It was this whole. whole it was this whole thing it. where, in that period of time, Instagram finally became of you know came of age for yeah. you know the mass church com group, right? Basically, yeah. you know, everyone knows about email. Everyone knows about Facebook. Everyone was aware of Instagram, but most churches really haven't, you know, done the deep dive into embracing Instagram as one of their main channels. And so that's where it started. What, what can we do to start learning from each other of what is actually happening? So that's where the conference came up. That's where, you know, um, the book came out. We've got Seth Muse doing a, a Facebook live show every single week in the group, the Insta Good Show. And that's also on our, you know, OT. TT apps so that you can catch on Apple TV or Amazon and Roku, et cetera. But basically it came out of the need of the, the community, right? The best, the best solutions are there out there are the ones that are real problems that users have. Right. And so it's just listening, right? It's listening to what churches were interested in needing and then trying to find an efficient way to actually help them, you know, get better on it. That's so key is, is listening, whether you're inside of a church, listening to your congregation, listening, starts listening to the Lord yes. um, and then, or listening to your customers. Uh, that's, that's a great, great example. How, how did you decide what posts or people to include in the book? Um, so we looked, well, we had a submission process and we had the interview process, et cetera. And basically it, it, it wasn't that much of a, a low, a high bar because we felt like there's a wide spectrum is when you have a, when you have a community of 25, 28,000 people, you have a wide spectrum of competencies, right? And so some of the basic stuff we originally thought we would not include, right? But there's a difference in telling people best practices of share a post that actually has people in it versus just words, right? Hmm. Um, you need to humanize your post. You can, you can teach all these axioms, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, what people, I think many people are encouraged by and actually learn from is actually seeing real life examples. And so even like the 101 level stuff is what we decide to accept in terms of case studies. And then it just goes, you know, goes up from there, right? So we want to we want to provide a resource 
that you know pretty much anyone um, can find some value out of it. And so um, I actually have. Do I have a copy? I have a copy. Actually, I have a copy. I have, sure. I have copies. You have around. got a copy. Open up because I I read it on my my Kindle. Just open it up and show one of the pages because sure. I think your design on those pages. And sorry, I know this is a podcast. You're not going to be able to actually see it unless you see the video clip. Uh, but but the way that you designed it with showing the actual Insta Insta picture on a tablet or on a uh, on a phone yeah. and, and so then the we, three questions that you asked them yeah talk about that process how'd you go so about that again this is one where we we started down the path of um, we thought it was going to be a, a cheap book to produce black and white etc and then we're like no we want to produce screenshots screenshots yeah. black and white doesn't do justice we want full color screenshots right. Um, we want to feature the the contributor. We want to give them credit because they're the ones who power our group. Without our people, our community, we would not be in existence, right? And it's not about just elevating us. It's about elevating the people in the community. So we yeah. started th that thought process, like what would be useful to me and you, Chad? Like if we sat down and wrote uh, a handbook for our team, what would we want? So we'd want to have screenshots. And then we'd want to actually have links to the actual thing. So we actually went ahead and created QR codes directly to the post on Instagram. If you want to go see it and That's read great. all the comments or see the engagement and talk, what they're talking about. And then we had just a bunch of questions that we asked them. It's nice and simple in interview style. And again, we have about 90 case studies in here across the spectrum, um, across the country, across the globe. We actually have some internationals. Um, and then we even have in the back a listing of everybody that contributed so that you can actually look them up and connect with them because we want peer to peer community. Peer to peer is very important in learning, right? And so um, we basically made something that we thought would be useful to us. What would I want to buy and yeah. actually share with my team? And it's just one of those things I'm hearing from um, staffers that they said some managers are what they're doing is they're getting the book and they're actually taking a page and at each staff meeting on a weekly mm. call, they'll just take one of these case studies. They'll go, go to the post, the actual QR code or the link. So there's the actual link. They'll go to the post. They'll read, someone will read it out and then they'll discuss it. So like, what do we like about the post? What is something that we can try that's related to the thing that they did, right? Or why isn't it something that would like comply with our brands and our standards and the, the person, the persona that we have as a church, just using those as conversation pieces, yeah. um, I think could be very powerful in a team manner. So buying a couple of books for your team members and then sharing on a regular basis, uh, I think is, 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 a, is a great way to, to learn and get better, right? Yeah, it's a great way to spark innovation inside of yes. a, an organization, yeah. What was your biggest surprise from the project as a whole? Um, I was surprised. Again, I, I, we knew it, um, but I was surprised about the generosity of the people, the people mm -hmm. that were willing to actually do even more. So like we're, we're attempting some other projects like this and even going even deeper and further. Mm -hmm. But it is the generosity of the people. And this is the one of the things that is, um, I think is self-limiting so many times where if you're stuck, with a challenge or if you're assigned a project or something new that you want to pull off and you just haven't done it before um, a lot of times you feel like you're left alone especially in the comms corner of the, the staff right like comms is is not uh, sometimes isolated at times well instead of reinventing the wheel and banging your head against the wall 
I always encourage find someone else that's doing something similar or that you might that you could use as a brainstorming partner and just call them up, give mm-hmm. them a DM, actually reach out to them. And the, I would say eight out of 10 times when I actually suggest that to a friend, a peer, or even a client, coaching partner, et cetera, mm-hmm. you'll get the p- pushback. Like, what? What do you mean? They don't, they don't know who I am. And they'll, and they'll say, maybe if they, if you call or somebody else, if our lead pastor calls, I'm like, it doesn't even need to be the lead pastor. It doesn't need to be someone prominent. People pick yeah. up the phone and actually yeah. will, they're willing to give you their time, right? Yeah. But that, that reminds me of something that I tell my kids often because, you, you know, you see these celebrities, whether it's in the, the Christian faith, music, but, you know, just remember, you know, those people, they get up every morning, they put their pants on one leg at a time, yes. just like you and I do. And don't think of them as not being approachable because most of them are. Most of them, they didn't get there in an isolated Absolutely. bubble. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and again, you'll be, it's one of those things where you get encouraged by the humanity yeah. of it. It's like, Absolutely. man, yeah. that guy was nice. Man, that woman, she yeah. really actually shared so much with me. Look, even our relationship here, right? We yeah. run digital agencies, not necessarily head-to-head complementary, but there are yeah. times where you and I just brainstorm. Whenever we meet yep. at conferences and stuff like that, we actually get together and we try to trade notes, right? Like those are the types of yeah. conversations that happen only if you actually initiate and ask yeah. and start, right? And that's why we've, we're friends for several years now. And it's only yeah. because we bumped into each other and, and took the risk of asking, right? Like let's sit down and just let's trade notes and have, have a cup of coffee. And th- those are the types of things that, with Zoom now, there's no excuse. In 2020, 2021 now, no excuse, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's again goes back to being willing to listen, being willing to learn. Yeah. So you've described one way that people are using the book in staff meetings. How what are other ways that you're hearing back from the, the folks that are that are using the book? How what are other ways are that are people are using it practically? Yeah, so uh, about two weeks ago, I got I got a note from somebody who said um, basically they are not reading the book cover to cover. And so like, okay, Oh, that's like, I guess I, we disappointed them or something like that. She's, she said, no, it's because she's realized that every time she goes in, she'll find an idea. And that mm-hmm. if she keeps on going and, and, and then collects like a dozen ideas, then she can't remember all of them or she can't <laughs> execute all of them, et cetera. So it's like they go in to dive in, get a nice idea go back out to reality, try it, and then come yeah. back. It's like a well that they keep on coming back to. Yeah. And I think that's that's a great way to think about this book in particular. It's, it's, it's again, it's not, there's no secret sauce or some magic, you know, it's not rocket science or anything, but it's really great to see what other churches are doing in real life, in your own genre. We can find tons of Instagram influencers showing us what they do in the, guru space or get rich quick space or the fitness space or the diet space, right? Like there's tons of people and that's great, but you know what? Sometimes it's just much more instructive to talk to someone who understands your world, understands your challenges with your audiences, understands the messaging issues, the language and all those types of things. And so that's just one of those things where I think it's just, it's kind of like we're lining up a cocktail party for you, right? Like at a cocktail party or a reception after a conference. If we went, if we all went to social media for church conference and we went to a reception afterwards, right? Or there's a break and everyone's talking about Instagram, 
you would bump mm -hmm. into 50 to 100 people and you might get, an, uh, you might ask, hey, what are you doing on Instagram these days? And you'll get an idea from them. Yeah. We're just making that much more efficient and collecting in one place and, and handing over all the things that you and I would want to take notes in those conversations. And would it be fair to say, because our audience, there's some church communicators on here, but a lot of it is 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 ministries, international, yeah. national ministries, and those that are doing digital in the ministry space. Yes. Uh, you know, because innovation can apply across the different sectors. Yes. If you're involved in, in digital ministry of any type, no matter if it's a church, no matter where it is, get a copy of this book because it will spark the... It'll spark oh, the innovation absolutely. And, and yeah, no matter what, uh, what space you're in. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, um, at the end of the day, a ministry versus a church, you're thinking about audiences in very similar ways. You have, right. you have giving donors, you have volunteers, right? You have yeah. members, attendees, et cetera. There, there, there are many parallels, whether you're a, a strictly a church, parachurch ministry or nonprofit, um, very similar approaches. And so like there, you know, some of the things that, um, you know, people have tried to do is like show off their volunteers. And that's one of the things hmm. in my teaching, right? Volunteers are our heroes. Without our volunteers, we wouldn't happen. And so um, making sure that you give them uh, recognition hmm. for what they're doing is one of the best practices. That's hmm. the type of thing that whether you're a church or you're a nonprofit, it, it still applies. And so those are the types of things that you can pull away from some of these case studies um, in this book, no matter what, if you are strictly a church or not. And, and that's something that's not technology bound. I mean, no. honoring the folks, I mean, that's just like a cultural thing of honoring the folks who are doing the work, honoring those volunteers. Yep. Um, that, that's not tied to technology. That's uh, that can, that, that, that can be even in, as we interact with each other one-on-one -on -one, that that can, that yes. can happen. Yes. And then just seeing how they do it, right? Like, is it a collage? Is mm. it a carousel? Is it a story? Is it a portrait and an interview? Is yeah. it like, so learning from those examples is definitely transferable in so many different ways. Good. So in the church communication space, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen over the years? Well, I mean, the, the one everyone is, it's digital, right? We need to go to church online and then trying to figure out what to do at this point. I think the pivot that's still still here that hasn't been um, reckoned with is that hybrid nature. Like digital is here mm -hmm. to stay. It's not going to go, it's not, many churches have started to go back offline. Mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't heard of any that's fully back offline into pre-COVID days, mm -hmm. but there, it's now the question of what do you do with the people that are still online that haven't come back? Or how do you do the two different things um, equally well, um, right? Mm -hmm. It used to be, you know, a couple months ago for most ministries, all hands on deck, the church online worship service, church online digital ministry fronts are all hands on deck. Everyone's thinking how to translate everything online. And now when you go back, what do you do? Because you can't just add, you know, you can't, you, you can't add a hundred percent more responsibilities. Oh, do the same thing online and offline. And you're reaching mm -hmm. more people online and offline. Um, so, so figuring out what that balance is and what the prioritization is and that digital isn't going away. Mm -hmm. People, people have found church um, in this pandemic that they never would have done before. What do you do with that audience? 
mm-hmm. um, how do you d- develop that nurture that community so mm-hmm. th- that I think that's the first like major thing that we haven't fully reckoned with as the church and I think there's going to be a lot of different answers and innovation coming out of it that's that's what I'm excited about yeah. um, you're going to see a lot of different answers to that question in the next six to 18 months yeah, and that I mean, and that touches all sizes of churches, right? Yeah, I mean, most churches in the United States are under 250 members. Yes, and um, and have a, a staff of maybe three or four, and they don't just wear a church communication hat. They're wearing they're wearing a yes. hat that does touches a lot of parts, and then you have the volunteers that help with that as well. Um, and, and I think, and part of that, and this is with ministries, you know, actual nonprofits as well. I think the big thing that the challenge right now, right, is, is becoming crisp with your why, mm. your rationalization. Why should I go to your church? Why should I go to church at all? Why should I come and be a part of your community? What's in it for me? Um, and then on the nonprofit side is really relevance, right? Like why? I understand you're doing some good over there in your corner of the world, but how does that relate to me? Right, yeah. especially as volunteer opportunities have dwindled because in-person volunteering is is not as uh, easily executed. Um, then, then you reduce to many nonprofits just asking for money today, and that is not the way to cultivate community and build raving fans for your cause. Yeah, well, I mean, what you said is so true. Is is focus focusing on the why, and that's. It's it's easy when we're doing the day to day of ministry or doing the work of ministry yeah. to kind of to put our head poke our heads up, look around, and be reminded of why we're doing what we're doing, uh, see where our audience is at, and then be able to bring those two together. And so, so that's something that you've done for years as you've consulted with churches and ministries. Yeah. So, so if you were to consult with a church starting tomorrow on improving their communications, how would you approach that whole uh, activity process or wh- what does that look like for you? Well, so, um, yeah, so we are actually, we're actually on, this is a great question because we're onboarding a couple of the churches right now and some awesome. um, coaching stuff. So the first is to, you have to get your house in order, right? So let's look at your church online ministry and go across several fronts. And usually, you know, one one great way to look at it is um, you, you look at Sunday first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at all your digital ministry, your analog, your you know offline ministry fronts and see one by one do inventory, what is able to be, you know, accomplished online and what's not. And so you need to just do a, a, a inventory of what you wanna do, like just aspirationally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then prioritization is taking the top three in each and, you know, moving it over. Usually it's a little bit like what we do in the SEO front, right? And SEO will go in and we'll look at, you know, what are your top 10, 20 top performing pages on your website? And let's optimize those and go deeper, mm-hmm. right? People have, people have raised their hand and voted. They, they like those pages. Same thing in your ministry. What is the most um, engaged, impactful, most active offline ministry activities. What are what are you solving? What's that problem you're solving in those most popular offline? Is it possible to take that mm. online and help solve that? And then there's a second mm. parallel question: Is what are the things that you can solve online that you just don't have the ability to do offline? 
right? What can you do at scale that mm -hmm. you can't do in person at a single location, you know, with, you know, that type of thing. So um, mm -hmm. looking at church online, Sunday services or your worship first, that's your, you know, that's what you, that's what you need to lead with. And then looking at your other digital ministry fronts is the, the, the process that we typically go to. And they, when we first go into a church in this last year, usually they think about those things separately. My school, small group ministry is separate than Sunday services. Sure. And yeah. we're, we're saying, no, they're actually all related, right? Like yeah. we need to go from a one day world to a seven day world. You're going from, um, I have this uh, model of like four types of this decoupling, time shifting, place shifting, et cetera. One is that we've gone from canonized content to episodic content. You know, Netflix Nation, our culture today, you know, um, has has an attention span that's really, really short. When you're online, you don't have the captive audience that you have in a building. You know, in a building, you basically have them locked in a room for an hour and you can go ad nauseum on whatever you want to talk about. In someone's living room, when you're broadcasting or even on a laptop or on a mobile device, I've got multiple screens, multiple mm -hmm. people. I might be mobile, you know, walking, driving uh, mm -hmm. while I'm going to church. It's a completely different experience. And you need to recognize the average YouTube videos, you know, four, four minutes and 20 seconds mm -hmm. or something like that is the average view time. Um, so you need to lo look at episodic content. So the biggest takeaway there is take away the pressure to do all of your work mm -hmm. on Sunday in one hour on one day of the week. And think of it as a stream across all seven days, right? Mm -hmm. And that that's that that you have seven days to accomplish what you used to think you had to accomplish in one day in one hour. Mm -hmm. And that that's the biggest takeaway. We are here to build relationships with people. The church wants to build relationships yeah. with people. People want to build relationships with people, not with institutions. And by by doing the one day thing and ignoring the rest of the digital ministry, all you're doing is building an obligation that they must show up at a specific place at a specific time at your convenience, not their convenience. Mm -hmm. That's building an obligation. What you want to do is build a relationship. And the way to do that is to build something that is, you know, present in their life seven days a week. Hmm. That's a great analogy. I had not heard of or thought about of it in that way in terms of if you're relying only on a live stream happening once yeah. a week, you're actually building an obligation, not necessarily a relationship. Absolutely. Right. And this is one of the things that I've um, early conversations in some, some ministries, I think that are forward thinking is that are we spending a disproportionate of our time, money, energy in the offline church world on one day, one hour a week when mm -hmm. the opportunity is 167 other hours during seven days a week. You know that there, there's something about that that you, you, you really need. There's something about that that strikes me as, as biblical. <laughs> you know, Jesus, yes, he went and preached in the synagogue on Sabbath, yeah. but he was also, <laughs> he had the crowds following him. He was also sitting down with the, uh, the Republican and the, or the publicans and the sinners and and the Pharisees. I mean, he interacted yeah. throughout the week as well. I mean, that's a, a, we're not just Sunday Christians. We're all week Christians. And so as a church, how can we be feeding the flock on a daily basis? Oh, I love that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so again, this is one of those things that like pastors are coming to grip. Like they're like, wait, I have to talk to people seven days a week. Usually I get, you know, at least one full day where I don't need to talk to anybody. I'm off. And then the rest <laughs> I've got, you know, I've got, I've got meetings. I got to read. I got to do all this yeah. other stuff. I got to prepare my sermon. Usually, right. Pastors lock their door. They're unavailable for a day or two when they're sermonizing. And in this world, I got to be available. Yeah, you do. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you can't be a parent and just disappear yeah. two days a week. Right. You have to have a relation. You have to fit it in and, and figure out a different rhythm for that portion of your life. It's the same thing. When you talk about a relationship versus an obligation, it's a completely different ballgame. Yeah. I, I wonder, too, because what almost you're talking about is do I mean, that, that content has to tie together. Yes. So for a pastor who who does value putting uh, putting uh, preparing the sermon, which you have to do. I mean, I've yeah. Can can the content that's produced for the sermon be the source of the content for the for the rest of the week? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, well, so it's not just the rest of the week. Out of it and, uh, yeah. I mean, just think about how sermons are thought of uh, in a, I mean, in a, in a, I mean, this is a real reductionistic way to talk about it. Um, you know, I don't want to take away the, the respect of what, what is happening there typically, but usually a pastor work on a sermon and then it's put on the bookshelf. It's gone. It's almost like disposable in a way because they're always thinking about the next one, the next one, next yeah. one. And if you really think about how Jesus taught, it wasn't like he, he gave a sermon and then it disappeared in the yonder. Like those things traveled forward in time, not backward in time. It didn't become more distant in history. It actually becomes more relevant. And those lessons become milestones that, that remind you as you move forward in time, how applicable it is, right? You, you find excuses to apply teaching as you go forward, not backward. But typically, can you remember at your church what your pastor preached on uh, three months ago, a year ago, even three weeks ago? Like yeah. um, most of the time that doesn't happen. And so... Yeah. Um, when you start to pull apart the content and think of it as a stream, that your your opportunity mm -hmm. is to actually have conversations and have relationships, and you're 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 teaching through that, yeah. The it it becomes it's almost like osmosis. Your teaching then doesn't become, you know, these little things that you send out there once a week. Um, it, yeah. it becomes pervasive and threaded throughout the the yeah. life and community that you have. I I just think about the way that like. When our family go to church on Sunday, it usually almost probably 90% of the time, there's something that happened during the church time that is a topic of conversation, yeah. uh, whether it's what was spoken about, people we interacted with. And so if, if, if you know, if there was, if there is something that is a, as a, as a father that I can integrate with in that dinner time, well, dinner time is kind of fragmented right now with the ages of our kids and, and games and everything. But if you had those tools and resources you could pull out and pull back from, I, yeah, yeah that's, that's a, that's a great way to think about it. Yes. You know, Kenny, one thing that I really honestly have admired about you is that you're an incredible innovator. Uh, just, just thinking about how you, what you've done with the Insta, the Insta, not just the book, but the whole, the whole area around that you and I have talked about what you've done with some mastermind groups and different things. Can you just talk, talk to our audience about 
about your approach to innovation, ideation, and execution. Because I know people who are really good on ideation, but, you know, but nothing happens at the end of the day. So how do you tie those things together? Ideation, innovation, and execution. Um, I, you know, I think the, so this is the, one of the things that um, in hiring people is a principle that I think has worked out well for me. And is that you look at the resume and you look at all the, the, the qualifications and experience, et cetera, that's all great. And then you got to check those boxes. But the one, one of the top qualities that I look for is bias for action. Can you show me evidence that you actually have a bias for action, that you're not prodded along? And, you know, mm-hmm. it's glossed over by a term called, you know, I'm proactive. I'm a proactive leader, yada, yada, yada. Um, I take initiative. But are you really someone that has a bias for action? Meaning, are you willing to take micro risks on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. That's what I think really comes down to. That are you willing to take risks and understanding, we, you know, you've heard the phrase, you, we want to fail fast and fail forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so understanding the value of failures are not negative. Failures mm-hmm. are learning opportunities. Um, I think that's where mm-hmm. the innovation comes from, uh, to be quite honest. Um, and it's a little bit of a, I don't know, I think it's one of those things where, you know, perfection is the enemy of progress. Right. Mm-hmm. And that version one is better than version of, I like laughing at myself as you know, uh, in our history. Right. And so if you, if you're producing stuff and this and the new first time you do stuff um, doesn't embarrass you a bit and that you can't laugh at it, then mm-hmm. something's wrong, right? Like you are holding back, you're waiting too long in order to release yeah. it to the world. And yeah. I think the other thing that you learn from digital is that, you know, we don't publish in a way that's like an encyclopedia. You publish in terms mm-hmm. of iterations right? Mm -hmm. That you actually need to understand that we're going to have a second shot, third shot, fourth shot. And it doesn't have to be perfect the first time. Yeah, you can't be perfect Mm -hmm. the first time. And so again, I'll just give you a real life practical example. On my team, we just did a two week sprint. We -hmm. took 10 business days to revamp our agency website. And through the process, um, it was it's a, you know, it's a learning environment for the team. Through the process, there were things like ah, some of the graphics and the images aren't what we needed. We need to rethink those and go back. And that would have added one more day, two more days to the sprint, mm-hmm. which is not a big deal, right? However, that's not the point of a sprint. Mm-hmm. The sprint is you, you are, you're privileging the end date and that you're going to ship something. You're going to deliver something. You're going to publish something. You're going to actually produce something and, and put something out and and understanding that at the end of the sprint, you're going to have a retro and then you're going to do another sprint, another sprint, another sprint. You'll have another 10 days. You'll have another, whatever your sprint length is, you'll have another go at it. And so that was, I think, a big like aha moment for some of our team members Mm -hmm. internally. And we discussed it. And it used to be um, one of the the learnings was many times when we're with client work, we're so deadline driven. Mm-hmm. And that we need to hold the deadline, but we need to we need to keep everything that we promised from the very beginning. And so we yeah. need to go crazy in order to deliver on the deadline. And yet on the sprint one, it's the other way around. It's that how do we do the best we can do with the information and the time that we have now, yeah. knowing that we're going to iterate and get better as we go forward. And, and that's how you leapfrog, honestly, from one version to the other. Version one is better than version none. 
That's tweetable right there. <laughs> yes. Version, version one, one is, is better than, than version none. Ver- than version none. Yeah. Right. Because at the end of the 10 days, we wouldn't have had a website. We would have yeah. delayed it a day or two. And I know what's going to happen. You and I know creative discussions, they go down rabbit holes. That would have been three weeks, four, like it could easily yeah. been sidetracked because we've got another project. We got something else, right? That yeah. would not have been delivered at the end of the sprint. And yet today I've got a website that's live. That's fantastically better than what we used yeah. to have 10 days, 11 days ago. Yeah. And then I know it's going to even get better. Yeah. And I think the key is, is holding to your word and saying, okay, we're going to do this again next month or in yes. two months. Yes. Because otherwise it becomes very up there and it's stale and we never touch it again. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we have the privilege in the digital space to, to not do that. We have the privilege to be able to make changes rapidly. Not like a book that you have to publish one time and get it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you know what? Not all the projects survive. Not all the projects are home yeah. run. I can yeah. tell you so many failures that we've had in terms of projects that dead ended, didn't have the traction that we thought it would be. But you know what? The only way to dream bigger is to keep chasing your dreams, to actually actually yeah. doing them. Yeah. No, that's that's good. That's really good. So So one of the areas that you and I have talked about um, an area that we've seen and we've put significant resources behind is a trend called personalization. Yeah. And uh, what what are ways that you are seeing churches and church communication use personalization to be more effective in the way that they're communicating with with their oh. uh, with their folks? Yeah. So um, I think everyone finally uh, understands what this. It used to be this newfangled service called MailChimp that sounds weird, right? <laughs> or you might have constant contact or you, you know, everyone finally has an email marketing platform that they work with. But uh, I would say the clear majority are not using it to its full potential. They're not tagging mm-hmm. people. They're not segmenting people. They're not asking people questions. Now, they won't do that yet. They'll ask for your resume and your blood type and everything else on the visitor connection card, right? When you come to church and they won't do anything with the data, right? They'll yeah. ask you all this yeah. intrusive stuff. What's your driver's license number? All this crazy stuff on a visitor connection card that you just want to avoid if you're a visitor. But mm-hmm. on the other side, you're not doing anything with it. And so I think personalization is important. And this is what's going to happen in this next stage of you know, church evolution is that we're going to get smarter with our data. Data mm-hmm. is the actual next thing. This next decade is going to be all about data. And so mm-hmm. personalization definitely is part of that. Um, you know, um, just simple things, recognizing and calling you by your name, mm-hmm. just that very basic, basic element of human relationship, recognizing who you are and calling you by your name. That's just the basic thing. Um, automation mm-hmm. is another thing that, you know, we're going to start to see more of. Um, so there, there's all these things that I think um, the tools are out there right now. We can do amazing things. And, you know, your product, Journey, is part of that, right? Like there's amazing things. We need leaders to wake up and understand this is how you're actually going to get significant traction with the limited resources that you have. We don't have you know, an army of staff members to knock on every door in a community. We don't have unlimited budgets to actually, you know, do all the things that we want to on a one-to-one basis, but we could use technology to scale personal relationships in in a very healthy way when we find software platforms like Journey and other things, right? So we have things that are built into the platforms that we're using, 
but then we have those we there's an opportunity to discover platforms that are thinking it through even more strategically and not waiting for you to do all the work mm -hmm. trying to anticipate the questions that are being asked and answer them before they're yeah. even asked and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this has been excellent. And, and Kenny, I know you are always reading and learning. What's one book or resource that you have engaged with recently that you can recommend to our audience? Um, well, I was telling I was telling you just uh, today that there's so many books that I've been reading. Every, and again, this is just another tip. Keep reading in genres mm. that you are not used to, right? Like you need to you need to have a little bit of this randomization principle of trying to find um, content categories and um, you know influencers that are not in your norm. Otherwise, it's what's happening with social media. The negative side of social media, right? We know is these are these echo chambers that happen, yep. and that just reinforces um, the things that you are committed to already, yeah. and it's not changing. It's not broadening your mind, right? Um, I will say there's there's two books in particular. One is called Never Split the Difference. We talked about, um, you know, recently. It's a book on negotiation. And at the end of the day, it's a little bit about empathy, et cetera. It's not something that is specifically church-wide. And it's not something that you necessarily would, you know, carry through in protocol XYZ. But it really gets you thinking. Reminds me of um, a practice called nonviolent communication that's uh, widely adopted in pastoral care, nonviolent, mm -hmm. NVC, nonviolent communication. So, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss is one of them. The other one um, is um, Systematology that uh, I'm reading right now that's very similar to Clockwork um, by mm -hmm. Mike Michalowicz. Um, it's talking about systems, processes, because mm -hmm. the only way you're going to scale is to identify those things that you can actually build the system process through. The only way you're going to involve volunteers and more staff members and reduce burnout and actually share, share the responsibility and roles across teams is to build systems and processes. And so uh, systematology is one of them. Clockwork by Mike Michalowicz is another one that I highly recommend. Those are excellent. And and uh, just for our audience knows, all those resources that we mentioned throughout the show are going to be in our show notes. So you can uh, you can go there and and go directly to those. Uh, Kenny, as we as we wrap up, um, how can people get a hold of you? How can they contact you and uh, connect with you? Ask about your consulting services sure. or get a copy of your book. What's what's the best way for them to connect with you? Um, so one invitation: come to the Church Communications Facebook group. It's completely free. Um, it's a family there. You can reach out to me there too. You can go to churchcommunications.com forward slash group, and that will get you in, you know, to the page where you can ask mm -hmm. to join the group. Um, I've got, um, you know, a website by my name, social media by my name, say Kenny Jang. Um, you can look me up on kennyjack.com. Look me up on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is the new social platform that everyone should be embracing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I'd, lo I'd love to connect and learn what people are doing and what's working for you. Great. One reminder, I know, Kenny, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. When I was first trying to connect with you, I could not find you because I would type in Kenny Jang, J-A-N-G, not, not using the H. And so yes. just a reminder for folks, it's Kenny J-A-H-N-G. Yep. J-A-H-N-G. Uh, yep. Yep. Great. Well, this has been awesome. I really appreciate your time and uh, just sharing of your learnings and uh, how you approach ministry, how you approach 
um, helping folks deal with innovation and all those different things. So thanks so much for joining us today, Kenny. Always great to be with you. Hopefully we'll get to be in person soon. That'd be great. All right.